0: try again. Good morning, it's great to see you all here. Um, Great to see a a few faces down for the YP holiday. And uh, those of you who've uh, been in the church have seen that we've put a slide up to advertise uh, getting together to pray at 8 o'clock on Wednesday for the holiday. So it would be great if as many of uh, us could join in that as possible. And uh, a warm welcome to those of you who hopefully can hear me now and are joining us um, on, on, online. Well, it's a great privilege that we are now free to sing. So let's uh, join in singing our first song, uh, which is Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And we have so many reasons to praise and thank our God for how good he is to us. So let's join in worship. To me, that um, I made a mistake with my announcement. We're getting together to pray on Tuesday, not Wednesday, for the YP holiday. Um, Now, I can see a few children here. Can you give me a wave? Yeah, that's good of you. Um, Well, I've got the children's talk, um, so I don't think I'm going to ask you to sing, but I'm going to talk to you about a story that you might possibly have heard of. Now, you know the story of the three little pigs. And how they get sent out into their world, into the world by their mum. And the first one builds a house of straw. The second one builds a house of wood. And then the third one builds a house out of bricks. And you know how the this, 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 this story goes, how the wolf comes to them and they says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he huffs and he puffs. And he blows the first house down and he gobbles the little pig up. And then he comes to the second house and he gobbles the little pig up. Then he comes to the third house and he tries some tricks to get the pig out of the house. But he doesn't manage to trick the pig. And then he huffs and he puffs and he can't blow the house down. And he ends up coming down the chimney and getting boiled. And in some versions, eaten by the pig. Now, here's my question. Can anyone think of the Bible story that reminded me of? I'm managing to muck these slides up wonderfully. Anyone think? Any ideas? Does that help you? You've got a picture here of a house built on a rock. And right next to it, a house that's an absolute wreck on the sand. And it's a story that Jesus told. I hope it's big enough for you to read because I wanted you to check that it was in in the Bible and it says that everyone who hears and does what Jesus says is like someone who's building their house on a rock. But those who hear and know and don't do are people who are Building a life that when trouble comes, they're going to find it's a disaster. Now, do you know what? I think the wolf in that first story, in somebody's mind, was probably a picture of the devil. Trying to destroy people's lives. And he's trying to do that to you. So Jesus wants you to listen and do what he says. Now, I have a a summer challenge. I'm not going to get you to do this now. This is something for you to do later. Because Jesus said these words, and we've got them um, in, in Matthew, after he's done a whole lot of teaching. So if you want to say, what did Jesus mean people to do to build their house on a rock? If you look in Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7, you'll find it. And there are some brilliant things that you can make pictures of. So here's, here's, here's the challenge, can you do a poster by September, by the first Sunday in September and bring it to me, showing some or perhaps all of the things that Jesus is teaching so that we know what it means to build your house on the rock. So thanks very much for listening, John's going to come and lead us in prayer now.
1: Well, that sounds a great summer challenge to me, so I hope some of you might be up for that. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we come to you in praise and worship. We trust with a sense of awe. We come to you, the Holy One, the one whose eyes are so pure that he cannot look on sin. Righteous and just, uh, flawless. We come to you who is the one from eternity, from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You are the infinite God, transcendent and powerful, majestic and glorious. We come to you as the sovereign God over all events, even the chaotic, uh, somewhat crazy Uh, sad and disturbing events that we've experienced this last year Lord we know that they are the results of a a fallen world but you are Lord over all things and you turn evil for good there is a a mystery in the course of events in providence and you oversee things even in our lives some of the difficulties you overturn for good help us to realise our times are in your hands and to trust your sovereignty to be comforted that you are in control even when we have disappointments and there have been many disappointments for many people in recent months. We come to you as a God of love, being reminded this week of the the unfathomable love of Christ in its dimensions and we pray for that to reside in our hearts and to help us. We have 10,000 reasons and more to praise you. And we do praise you for your goodness and your kindness to us. We experience so many blessings every day. We praise you for that. We thank you for this last week and for the um, lighthouse work at Alderbrook at Adamfield to go so well. Uh, we thank you for the um, a very dry, sunny evenings, for the many that helped and the many that came, both children and adults. We thank you for what was said from your word or about the change you had made in people's lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, use that in young and old to create interest and to make them interested in finding out more, whether it be here or at St. Richard's. We pray for ongoing effect and for the blessing on that work as it continues hopefully month by month down there. Lord, we come to you and we... Pray for your work. Do revive your work in these years. We know that you are a God of great power. We pray, Lord, for your spirit to be at work mightily. There are many things that can discourage us. Many church situations which are perhaps struggling, particularly small and discouraged. Uh, We would love to see more additions. We pray, Lord, that in wrath you would remember mercy and that you'd bring many to the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust him as their saviour, to know the joy of finding the pearl of great price. Lord, we commit to you um, the week ahead. We especially pray for the young people's holiday. We thank you that it's uh, possible for them to get together. We're so pleased they can look forward after these many months of 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 struggling to feel free to meet up, that they can have... um, Good times together this week. We pray that they will really enjoy them. We pray for good uh, friendships and uh, good atmosphere. We pray for help for the leaders, especially in the trickiness of the current circumstances. We pray you give leaders stamina, uh, uh, peace, uh, a sense of closeness to you, wisdom. Lord, we do pray that um, it will prove a really good week, an enjoyable week, a blessed week. We pray it may prove a really useful week and it, as there is a series and as the Bibles are open, we pray Lord that your, your kind touch will be on it to make it very significant. For those in the young people's group who do not as yet know you as Saviour, we pray that you might move in hearts. And for those who are perhaps Christians but either discouraged or, 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 or losing their way as Christians and short of enthusiasm we pray it might be really a stirring week and with lasting good Lord we commit that to you and pray for your blessing we think of what happens in Cyprus at the moment and this coming week with these seminars for students we commit them to you as a thinking through what it is to be more than a conqueror and to to live life with the help of God we pray that the practical seminars will be really useful for the students so they'll ground them in your truth that these uh, formative years as uh, uh, studying away and coming under the influence of uh, the church in Lefkosia might be very formative uh, transformative for them rooting them in your word Lord we do pray for that and we pray for James and Rachel pretty worn out in all their responsibilities over there hoping soon to come over give them strength for the last little bit and bless them thoroughly as they come over and have a break bless them as a family we ask well we have been thinking a little of the charity of the month of daylight prison ministries we thank you for that work bringing the gospel into the prisons We thank you for your grace which reaches to the saddest and most difficult of situations. Lord we do pray that you would help those involved with that work as perhaps they're able more and more now to get back into services as they communicate with prisoners, as they lead Bible studies. We do pray that there may be many who come to find Christ Jesus as the saviour of sinners in that work. We think of some of those in our Uh, community here who have gone on holiday we pray there might be a time of rest and blessing and refreshment to them good for them individually physically good for them in their minds good for them as families good for them spiritually bless them as they're away others who follow suit that these may be times which are very much enjoyed and where you are praised Lord we thank you for your word we were just reminded of the importance of your word and of building our lives on your word. We pray that as uh, that touches on the theme of this morning, that you would bless this morning. That you would be honoured by the message. That the message of the song we look at may make a deep impression in our hearts. That we might be responsive that it may be well listened to this morning, but have even more an ongoing effect. Speak to us through your word, we pray. And these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our wonderful Saviour. Amen. Thanks,
0: John. Well, if you can open your Bibles at Psalm 19, which is where we're going to take our first Bible reading from. Um, as I was looking at this um, Bible reading, I found a word that I didn't understand. And I always hate the, the thought that somebody will come up to me afterwards and say, oh, what did that mean? And I say, I don't know either. Because we want to understand what God has, has to say, say to us. So it's towards the end of the, the passage, the word's presumptuous. And in, I looked it up, and it has a kind of feeling of stepping over what's the right thing to do. But then I looked in the the Bible and and found out there's there's two ideas behind here. One is that idea of stepping over what's a right and proper thing to do. And the other is doing what I want to do anyway. So um, the verse that um, it comes up in, the children's version, has... Save me from the sins that I want to do, which is quite a powerful prayer. So hopefully you'll understand that a bit more than I did before I opened the passage. So Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep, your, keep back your servant also from presumption sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless and innocent of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then we have a second reading, which is in 2 Timothy, chapter 3. And it's a few verses from verse 14. So, as Paul writes to this Christian leader, this young Christian leader, who's um, facing some challenges, he gives him these instructions. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood So in a bit John is going to be coming and teaching us from God's word and our second song is a prayer that as we come to God he will speak to us. Let's stand and sing.
1: can we know about God? That's one of the most basic and important questions for you and I. Indeed, for the whole of humanity, how can we know about God? How does God, put it a different way, how does God choose to reveal himself? How does he choose to make himself known? Where do we look to find out about him? What do we pay attention to to understand him and know him? Maybe you're here or listening in and you just think, well, I just don't know God. Uh, I'm more and more interested in God. It's all a bit new to me. I, I, I want to find out. I want to know then you should get some help today. Or maybe you're a Christian and you're sagging a bit, if you like, in your relationship with God. Uh, you, you've overlooked the ways in which God speaks. You've become, if you like, a bit out of touch with him and with truth. Well, then you should get some help. I'm hoping, praying, that you'll get some help today. We're looking at one of the Bible songs this morning. Uh, It's a Bible song which will help us on this theme of knowing about God, of God communicating. We're expecting to look at some of the Bible songs in the next few weeks, some summer psalms, because the, the book of psalms in the Bible is a book of songs. And the psalm that we're looking at this morning is the one that was read to us, which is Psalm 19. We're going to look at most of it this morning, and then those who are here this evening, we're going to look at the last three verses and uh, think through them as a a response to some of the things in this psalm. So, the first 11 verses this morning, and uh, this psalm is is a great psalm. You've heard of C.S. Lewis, he's the author of the Narnia series. And he said of this psalm we're looking at this morning, that it was the greatest poem of the Psalter, a the psalm book. And one of the greatest lyrics in the world. That's where we're going to be in Psalm 19 this morning. And the psalm tells, of, tells us of two ways that God communicates two ways that God communicates. One more general and one more specific, sometimes referred to as general revelation and then special revelation. So we're going to start here in the first six verses which is God communicating through the skies, through the skies, through the things that he's made through the world and what we see from the world, especially in this psalm, focusing on the skies. We're encouraged to look up in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. God's glory is being declared above us. It's easy for us to be oblivious to it. I remember visiting somebody in Guy's Hospital in London. So I came up, London Bridge came out, went and found Guy's Hospital, uh, saw the individual. When I was talking to him, he he said, did you see the shard when you were uh, coming here? The shard had just been pretty well finished. And I'd come in London Bridge Station and I'd walked I said, oh, I didn't see the shard, but I walked under it, or right past it. It was towering above me, but I didn't see the shard. I was looking at the stalls and the doughnuts and the food that was available around, and I didn't see this this great majestic thing above. And maybe that's what it's like in your life. Above you is a massive declaration of the glory of God. And you've got your head in the doughnuts and the everyday things around, and you're missing it. The skies declare the glory of God. They are his handiwork, or his craftsmanship. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. They show His power. They show his infinity. They show his wisdom, they show his care. They show his beauty. They show his vastness. So it's been quite a lot of the news this last week. Uh, Jeff uh, Bezos has just clipped space in his Blue Origin spacecraft. Uh, some debate as whether him and Richard Branson, who did Likewise, um, about a week or so earlier, is a bit of discussion, but they've really made space. They've got to weightlessness, but it depends quite where you draw the boundaries on space. But let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They've clipped space. Okay, and fair dues, you know, there's a lot of work that's gone into their spacecraft and if that was you or I who'd clipped space, we'd feel we have got a story to tell and we'd be quite sort of chuffed and pleased. But on the scale of things, it is pretty puny. It is pretty puny. They have clipped space. They've been in space for, for was it 10 minutes, was it? And they've come back. And our attention and the media's attention goes on them as people who have made space. Now you think of the vastness of space beyond, and the person who made it? You think just of our own solar system. That if you were, if you were to go in a spacecraft to Pluto, it would take you about ten years, non-stop travel, to get there. A solar system, within one galaxy our Milky Way galaxy. You think of the stars and the number of stars, the person who made them, the distances, the vastness, the quantity. You know, should our attention go on these uh, entrepreneurs who clip space or the one who made space, which just goes on and on and out there? Stuart Burgess, in his book, Professor Stuart Burgess, wrote at the turn of the century talked about the Hubble Space uh, Hubble uh, Hubble telescope estimating uh, 50 billion galaxies of stars at that stage there were 5 billion in the world population so that's 10 galaxies each if you were to spread them out amongst the world's population at that stage And with the average amount of stars that there is per galaxy, according to their calculations, that's 10 billion stars per person. God's craftsmanship, vastness, pointing to his glory, declaring his glory. And he is communicating through it, and it is, if you like, a a 24-7 broadcast broadcast when the BBC News channel first came out, it was called BBC News 24. It was broadcast in day and night. And so is God's declaration of his glory in the skies and in the heavens and in the world around us. Verse 2, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. So it's a daytime thing. And yesterday evening, weather was nicer than this. I was looking out; and the sky was beautiful blue, and there was this sort of wispy cirrus clouds being seen around. Just, just beautiful to look at. The day before, I remember, so my laptop was off, but I was sitting at my desk, and uh, the angles were such that in the top corner of my laptop there was a reflection of the sun, uh, close to going down. A beautiful orange. I could see it on my screen being reflected through the window. Think of the magnificent of puffy clouds and how beautiful they look. You think of rain. Uh, We don't tend to like the rain. We're choosy when we want the rain. But rain is God's divine sprinkler system. What an invention. You think of the flocks of birds that you sometimes see passing through the skies and all the life and design that is in those birds. So it's a daytime thing, but it's a a nighttime thing. You see the stars if you start to look at them. You think of the numbers and the vastness, the, the constellations, you maybe have a closer look on camera, uh, on, on online or something, at the beauty of the nebula. You think of the moon, and you think of all the nighttime things. And day after day, night after night, it pulsates with teaching about God. It declares what God is like. The psalmist was moved as he looked upwards and said, "When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him?" and the Son of Man, that you care for him. You know, we're told in this psalm that in a way it's a, it's a, a silent movie. It's a silent movie. Maybe you remember, you've looked back, seen the silent movies, when they first came out, and it wasn't possible to hear speech, so you've got Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin or something similar, and it's just sort of a quiet movie. Well, the, it's, a, it's a silent movie. Sometimes there's a power in non-verbal communication, in visual aids, in not having any music, but just seeing what is there. And that is what we're told here in verse 3. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. God's visual aid out there for us to see and just appreciate with our eyes and to take in. It is an international broadcast. It's an international broadcast. Verse 4, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. It's not a local program. It's not a, a regional program. It's not a case of, well, if you're in region one or region two, you know, these things that fox you when you're wanting to watch a DVD. You're not bound by a region. This is inter-region. This is global. The declaration of God has gone out through the earth. Paul quotes this in Romans 10. The message has gone out. Everyone knows something about God because of what is declared in His, in His creation, in His skies. So you're in Australia, or you're in Kamchatka, or you're in Alaska, or you're in Argentina, wherever you are, there, this message, this international message about the glory of God and his power, his creative abilities, his design, his care, is pulsating out day after day, night after night. And then as we carry on through this wonderful creation aspect of this psalm, we're led to think of the centre stage. The centre stage as far as we see it and in terms of our lives and in an unusual way as part of God's design despite the vastness of the universe. And the centre stage of his creation from our perspective is the sun, is the sun. And so we come to Verse 4 at the end, in them he has also set a tent for the sun. There is a, a structure, there is an area, there is a pathway, there is a track, a course for the sun. The sun intricately placed to sustain life on earth. If I can quote what Stuart Berger says in his book, he made the stars also. This is quite interesting I think. Scientists have calculated that if the Earth were just 10% closer to the Sun, then it would be like a furnace. On the other hand, if it was 20% further away from the Sun, then it would be like an icy desert. The Earth has an average temperature of about 15 degrees Celsius, which is ideal for life. The fact that scientists are worried about the effect of global warming of just one or two degrees show how ideal the present average temperature is. The fact that people live on almost every part of the planet also shows that the distance between the earth and the sun is just about right. The sun placed ideally there in God's creation for us and for this world. And it takes a daily route. Put poetically in verse 5, Put in terms of two pictures. The sun set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. So in those days, the bridegroom left his home to go and collect the bride. And he would have done so in his best and he would have done so pleased and he would have done so with purpose and he heads off to get His bride, the bridegroom, heads off on a journey. The sun is like that, with pleasure, with purpose, going across the sky. Soon we'll start to see athletes uh, lining up for races. We're here uh, on your marks, get set, go, or the Japanese equivalent, or whatever they do in the Olympic global events. And we'll see runners heading down the track, purposeful, following through their course, The sun follows through its course every every day in God's kindness and blessing and order, every day sustaining life on earth. And the whole earth is affected by its heat and needs to be, verse 6. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. God's provision for his creation Sustaining life. Its warmth allows life. If the sun was taken away, how long would life last? Its light gives photosynthesis to keep the plants alive. The plants being alive keeps the animals alive. The animals and the plants being alive keeps the people alive. There's a beauty in the sun which most of us appreciate. But you've had posters of sunsets you like to see a sunset you put it on a card it is, it's attractive to you I remember seeing a poster once which had a beautiful sunset and it just had this little inscription which was very thought-provoking I think how can anyone see a sunset and not believe in God how can anyone see a sunset and not believe in God, the radiance, the beauty there and appreciated by us so God communicates through the skies we learn about him through the skies uh, Paul brings up on this in Romans 1 and verse 19 and 20 for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. We can all see, understand something of God from the skies from the world he has made. But we need more and we're given more. And so the psalm moves on and in some ways it changes subject but the theme overall has not changed. Quite a big change of gear but not an overall change, if you like, of topic. And we realise that God is communicating not just through the skies but God is communicating through the scriptures. So God reveals himself through his works and he also reveals himself through his word. You have the general revelation of God but he's given something more specific. We need more details. And, and uh, God's masterpiece is to give us his word. It, it is, it is the, the sort of central plank of revelation to us. The writings, the scriptures. David here reflects on what he knows of God's word. He didn't have the full Bible as we have. He had the first five books, maybe a little bit more. Uh, so we have even more reason to feel pleased and pleasure at God's revelation. There's a pattern, a beautiful pattern, poetic pattern, to how David writes this. And if you look in verses 7 to 9, which we're moving on to, there's lots of different words for God's word. He talks of law and testimony and precepts and commandment and rules. Like it's Big Brother Psalm, Psalm 119, it uses lots of different words to describe God's word. God has revealed about himself in his truth, in his rules, in his promises, in the actions recorded which show his character and purposes. And I want us to notice a few things as we follow through this pattern, beautiful pattern description here and some of the things which follow on. I want you to notice, in terms of the Scriptures, God's Word, I want you to notice that it draws attention to their author. I'd overlooked this, I think, before. See the pattern here, you'll see it, and it describes things, but there's something that goes right through it, and that's obvious, and that is who it's from. It's from the Lord. It's from the Lord. Just take a look at verses 7 to 9. And see if you can spot the word Lord. It's in capitals. That helps you if you've got your Bible open. The law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord. The commandment of the Lord. The fear, a slightly different introduction there. The fear of the Lord. The rules of the Lord. The Bible is God's book. It's from Him. He's chosen to give us words. His Holy Spirit was at work through the prophets in the Old Testament, through the other writers of the Bible. The overall editor, the overall author, their origin is the Lord. It is God's word. We heard about that in the passage from Timothy. But let me read to you two Peter, verses 20 to 21, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God's word. And the moment you know it's from God, it takes on a totally different significance. And the word for God here is not just the general word for God, it is the word Lord, which is more of a relational word for God. God's relationship with his people, he's committed to his people, he loves his people, Yahweh, the Lord. And so it it is the word from God, who is supreme, creator, but it's from the Lord, somebody who knows us, somebody who's been kind to us, somebody who has purposes for us. you've got two grand reasons to, to... To want to know what it's about is from God, from the Lord, from somebody we should respect and somebody we should love. If you respect somebody, if you love somebody, you listen to what they say, don't you? Let's also think about their... Qualities, their qualities, this pattern, the way it's beautifully described, gives a property each time. You know when you're buying something on Amazon or something, you get the general heading and then you want to find out a bit more and there's usually a bullet point list of particular properties or product details. You go a bit further down, product description, you get an enlargement so that you know what you need to know. Well here there are qualities or, or properties of God's word explained to us. Verse 7, law of the Lord is perfect, flawless, carries on, it is sure that it's reliable and dependable, carries on in verse 8, it is right, it is morally correct, it directs you in the right way, it is pure, clean, Right, it is then coupled together in verse 9, true and righteous, wrapping two themes together, true and righteous. So what a foundation we have. What a basis for life is given to us in his word. That is why Christians have penned this song and enjoy the song, how firm a foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Well, maybe you're going through life and you think, well, I just don't know what to think. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know about God. I don't know about my purpose to life. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know where things are going. Well, isn't it then good that you have here something which is sure and dependable, true and righteous altogether. This is where you need to look. We move on to their impact. Their impact. They have an effect God's word has an effect. The scriptures have an effect, especially when the spirit is at work in us. And oh, I think this is, I think this is a great list here. Let's just take the ones in verses seven and eight. Don't you want these? Don't you want these? Don't you want something to, to have this effect on you? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, restoring the soul, converting the soul, refreshing the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So somebody will will head in a wrong direction, make foolish decisions, uh, be sort of blind to the things they need to know, and instead they're made wise by the word of God, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. They give joy, they, they give pleasure, they give delight, they give a sense of praise because of what they tell us about the Lord. commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So I see, I understand, and enlightening is not just knowledge going in here. There's a brightness. There's something which cheered you up. Your, your eyes are shining because of what you've seen and heard. That's what the Word of God does. It enlightens the eyes. You start to get a bit of an appetite for God's communication when it does these things you want these things, you need these things it's God's word that does it let's move on to their their focus I'm going a little bit beyond the psalm here but I'm including the whole of the bible God's word has a a chief focus something that it points to above all. Luke mentions it at the end of his gospel 24 verse 44, includes talking about the Psalms here. Jesus says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He said elsewhere, you search the scriptures they are the thing that bear witness, testify of me. God's revealed himself in so many ways over the years and then finally, we're told in Hebrews, through his son. So if you like the centre stage of the skies as we see it is the sun. The centre stage of the scriptures is the sun. but spelled differently. The sun. And if we love the sun and what he's come to do in his heart and his saving love, and his compassion, and his power, and the glory of God that we see in the face of Jesus Christ, then we love the word that reveals the Son. We were read in 2 Timothy 3 about the scriptures, able to make you wise to salvation, so through its message you can be saved. How, how, how are the simple made wise? How are they made wise to salvation? It carries on through faith that is in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is at the centre of rejoicing our heart, restoring our soul, enlightening our lives. Our, our, our lives Focus is the sun. I want us to think about how this affects us. And it affects us, I th- there are two ways in which I want us to think about how it applies to us. Um, One, I'm going to focus on this evening, because we're just going to go slowly, those that are here, through verses 12, 13, 14, which is a prayerful response really to to this, to to its own own psalm and to God's word. But there's uh, another one in verse 10, so some of you won't be here this evening, and people have got their own meeting this evening, I really want you to take home Verse ten, what was all to take home, verse ten, which is a different outcome, and it 's my last point in terms of aspects of through the scriptures. I want to talk about their desirability, their desirability their, their, this is what we 've been building up to. This, this is where it takes us. This makes sense really that god 's word, given all that we 've said about it. It's very desirable, and it's very valuable. Verse 10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Pictures in two ways. One in terms of, if you like, uh, money or riches, treasures, and one in terms of food, delightful food, food that you look forward to, food that you like. Gold, best of gold. Honey was uh, chocolate, I suppose. Honey, honey, honey was a demonstration of, of kindness, riches, lavishness, what you really enjoyed. Other sweet stuff today, perhaps similar. So, uh, imagine you, you walk into your bedroom and uh, there is a £50 note on your bedside table. If you've ever seen one? 50 pound note on your bedside table, and it's for you. Maybe it's a little post it note. It's, this is for you. 50 pound note. 50 pound note. It's yours. I'll have that, you say. Take it in the wallet or whatever, the purse, piggy bank. I'll have that. I'm not going to miss out on that. Thank you very much. Maybe there's one every day. Next day, collect it there's not a 50 pound on your bedside table there's something better something more valuable there's God's word on your bedside table it's worth more than 50 pounds you can take it you can read it that day you can take it, you can read it the next day do you want it? you can have it? God's word, better than gold? I imagine that uh, you, you come here and you go and well, we don't hand out sweets. But, um, you know, uh, the stewards have got an extra job and on the way up they've got one of these bags and everyone who comes out, they give, give them a gold nugget. A quality gold nugget. Oh, well, I had a quick look online. 150 pounds, 200 pounds, gold nugget. Everyone everyone who comes and goes, have a gold nugget be an incentive would it, It would be quite nice build up a few of those, cash them in but we don't give gold nuggets as you go out the door but you come here you get God's word which is worth more than gold does that interest you? do you want to go away with that? do you want to go away rich? because you've heard from God because your soul's revived, because joy is in your heart, because you've got sure stuff to depend your life on? Do you desire God's word? I want you to desire God's word from this. Tyndale desired God's word. You remember Tyndale was involved with the early translations into English. Um, he ran into a bit of trouble. Life wasn't easy for him. He was in prison in Europe. He writes a a letter to those uh, involved with his care, it's not quite the right word, who oversee his situation. And he writes, I entreat your lordship, and that by the Lord Jesus, that if I am to remain here during the winter, you will request the procurer, the person responsible for, for him, to be kind enough to send me from my goods, which he has in his possession, a warmer cap, for I suffer extremely from cold in the head. And fair enough and wanting a cap when you haven't got any central heat in your cell ok let's carry on a warmer coat also for that which I have is very thin also a piece of cloth to patch my leggings he's in a pitiful situation there isn't he no coat um, holes in his trousers I wish also his permission to have a lamp in the evening for it is wearisome to sit alone in the dark well I can understand that carry on but above all I entreat and beseech your clemency to be urgent with the procurer that he may kindly permit me to have my Hebrew Bible. You see, I'm urgent. I want these other things, but I desperately want to have a Bible to read because I desire God's word. You desire God's word. I want you to come away from this desiring God's Word. It is desirable. I want you to realise that and desire it. Maybe you're not yet a Christian. Well, I want to encourage you, pick up God's Word. Start reading it. Maybe start at the Gospel of Luke. That's quite a good idea. If you read Luke, then you go on to John, which is slightly different but another Gospel. Then you see Acts and you go to Romans. That's a good set of four. Why don't you start off with that? Go to God's Word if you're not a Christian but christian may i especially speak to you have you got an appetite for god's word are the 50 pounds being left on the bedside table it is god's word it rejoices hearts it converts it restores it refreshes maybe at the start of the year we we did a bit of a a plug at the start of the year, didn't we, on um, encouraging people to read God's Word regularly. And I was really encouraged a couple of weeks ago, somebody mentioned to me that that's, that helped them and they picked up one of these uh, Bible app schemes and it's been good for them through the year. And maybe that's true of you, but maybe actually you had a few resolutions at the start of the year. But, you know, sadly we, we get into bad habits. Maybe you find that actually the days go by. Maybe that actually you wouldn't want anyone to ask you when you last read the Bible on your own. you're a Christian, it's not been this week can I, doesn't this stir up a desire in your heart, your treasure available and you're leaving it, have a big think about that Don't, don't let it carry on for the other half of the year God's word, God is communicating, are you leaving the sort of mobile off if you like, unchecked Why peace? So you're not going to be here tonight when we go into the last few verses because you're starting on your series and God's word is going to be dished up for you these next few days. You've got an appetite. You're looking forward to that. You're praying for whoever does the talks. You're looking to come away with stuff. Desire God's word. I heard an old sound on Monday. Ah. We're away with family. Ice cream van came onto the estate. Haven't heard that for quite a long time. We don't get ice cream vans down here. We used to get them on the Rochester way on the estate and they used to come, but uh, we weren't a flush with money in those days, so (laughs) they used to go pretty unvisited most of the time. But um, I wasn't paying on Monday, our hosts were paying. And we just had uh, a bit to eat and had a little bit more room. So they said, just go out and get an ice cream at the sound of this ice cream van. So as adults trooped out like children up to the ice cream van looking at what's available, building up an appetite, wanting what was there. Well, this morning in a way, I'm sounding the ice cream van sound. But you don't have to pay. And you won't put weight on with what I'm offering this morning, so you don't have to stay away from that reason. God's word is desirable and attractive. Make the most of it personally, make the most of it in terms of hearing it when others explain it. God communicates in the skies, yes, but even more in the scriptures. we've got a closing hymn, that's good isn't it but I, I don't want to go on to the closing hymn quite yet because I think there's probably some things to personally think through and pray through so I'm just going to leave a half a minute or so I would like you to think and pray over what we've covered this, this morning before we have our last song contemplation now. Well, we have missed having a final hymn inside, haven't we? And that can be changed from this week. So we've got a final hymn. It's an older hymn by Isaac Watts, but it's based on this psalm. So as you sing through the words of this last hymn, you'll hopefully be reminded of the truth that we've been looking at in looking at Psalm 19. The heavens declare thy glory, Lord. In every star thy wisdom shines. Father we thank you for the glory of God declared in the skies in the world around us in creation help us not to be oblivious to it but to appreciate what is being revealed in these things but Lord we praise you even more for the declaration of truth in the Bible we thank you it points to your son the way it revives, refreshes, blesses, guides, teaches for the sure foundation we have We're sorry Lord when our appetite is so low and we pray that this morning may be for some uh, a real encouragement, an appeal for us to desire and to be blessed by having your word uh, open in our personal lives and an eagerness for it when it is declared and taught. So make it useful for us in that way for your glory we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.